Now, this was right around the time when Donald Trump was still president. And you may remember that he tried to sue everybody who wrote a biography. And he even sued people just for fun. So in my life, there was this world building up where I said to myself, well, what about if he just sues me for fun? I know that everything's okay, but who wants to be sued by Amazon? Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guests, Gisela Hausman. Gisela, are you ready to join the mission? I'm thrilled to join the mission. I am excited to have you on this mission. In fact, I just said a minute ago, we got to turn on the recorder. So <laughs> let me introduce you to the audience. Gisela Hausman graduated with a master's degree in film and mass media from the University of Vienna, the oldest university in the German-speaking world. She, ladies and gentlemen, is one of a dying breed of adventurers. She digs in and researches topics of interest from the ground up and then tells things as she sees them. In fact, she has what you could probably call naked determination. (laughs) Gisela, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and the books that you've written and the stories that you've gotten involved in. Tell us about yourself. Well, like you pointed out, I graduated with a master's degree in film and mass media and was then working in Austria's movie industry. I was a production manager and production managers are the kind of people who organize everything. Everything is your problem. Let's say you're shooting outdoors in a park and a woman comes by with a barking dog. It's your problem. So (laughs) you immediately learn to focus on the essence of the problem. And you also learn to section problems. This is kind of like the biggest thing. So if I can solve this, but I can't solve the other 99, I'm already a step ahead. Because if I solve, let's say, 10 small problems, it's not going to do away with the biggest problem. So that's kind of how I started out. And I had a pretty adventurous life working in the movie industry, working in aerial photography industry. And then somehow I ended up publishing two aerial photography photo books, uh, coffee table books. They were so magnificent and Austria's business people bought them, including the airport of Vienna. And they literally gave it to every celebrity on this planet. My book is in Bill Clinton's library, George Woman's library, <laughs> Luciana Pavarotti had one and on and on. So I was kind of hooked on this publishing thing. And then I moved to the United States and published an educational book. And that was actually how I found out about Amazon. Mm. Because when I came to, when I was running the publishing business in Austria, that wasn't that hard. It's a country with 8 million people, right? And if you have the right context, like we had the context of the business people, that's, we did that mail order, there was like a breeze. Here with the big five, Simon and Schuster, Random House and what have you, this was like a whole different ballgame. So I wasn't going to publish this book first, but then Jeff Bezos showed up. And then 
I was here and said to myself, I can work with this guy. He sets up a system. And as a matter of fact, I even went so far and I still stand by this today. Jeff Bezos is the new Gutenberg. Because if you really go along and you say, okay, first of all, the monks, they copied the book. Then came Gutenberg, invented the printing press. And then the publishing business established. And then everybody was doing all the same things. Okay, there were bigger publishers and better printing, but the system was the same. And then came Bezos and turned all of this around. So I published my book with him and there was that. And I was hooked on it. And then my husband died. And suddenly my whole life was upside down. I mean, I was a mother of two young children. I had to do everything and this and that. So I thought I was never going to publish a book again. <laughs> because A, I didn't have the money. Yep. B, I couldn't risk it. And it was just difficult. Then Bezos came out with the Kindle. And once again, he was my Gutenberg, right? <laughs> because he had changed it again. And this actually opened up a totally new career for me because one of my deep, deep wishes is to help people learn the stuff they want to learn. And books are by far, if you want, the cheapest and fastest way to learn something. And one of the things that also motivated me is I'm a big reader. I must have read 2,500 books in my life. Mm. But I hate books that are A, too long. Books that don't show a system or explain why something is the way how it is and books that praise themselves in the content like very often you'll read a non-fiction book and the guy says oh so and so bought it and this and that used my method and made a hundred thousand dollars or a million or a hundred million how am i supposed to know that this is true mm. i mean so i'm like all and it's a bit obnoxious me. too sometimes well, I can live with that. People brag, <laughs> but I'm like of the I'm like of the opinion. If you wanna say that your thing is so good and it works, then that's fine. Show me how it works. And if you have to explain that somebody else thought that that was great, but I am not the beneficiary, then I don't care. Mm-hmm. So that's how I came up with the idea to publish a series of naked books, meaning. Stripping everything that doesn't go there. Most of my um, nonfiction books are about 100 pages, three hours. And even if you just read over them quickly and mark the passages you want to read again, I have already helped you to save time. So that's kind of like my approach to things. And How many um, books have you written, by the way? I mean, I'm like on Amazon right now seeing what you've done. 25 or so. Amazing. Amazing. I like this one. Are we nuts? Yeah. Well, this is actually one of my, this is actually my only non, my only fiction book. Right. It's a fable, but it's an environmental fable. And I was working in George Orwell's steps because if we're trying to explain something, we shouldn't bring in politics or people, but animals. Mm. In, in any event, so this gave me the opportunity. If there is two things that I'm really good at, then it is explaining things and condensing things. And all of this is, of course, a part of my life. 
if somebody wastes my time, he's just stolen time from me, which I could use a to make money mm. or to lie in my backyard and let the sunshine on my belly or meet somebody or spend with time with family. Mm. So I absolutely detest this. And I think that most other people do too. Maybe they are polite when they say, oh my God, this 500 page book about whatever method is great, but more likely they haven't finished it to the end. Yep. Yep. And let me ask you about the uh, inside Amazon. Just maybe you could just briefly tell the audience what you did and I'll, I'll have the links to all the, you know, to your page on Amazon and the different okay. books that you've got, but maybe just tell them the story, the background behind this and what you <laughs> came up with. This is actually a really interesting story because it's a 23-year story. So like I said, it started out with that I self-distributed a book that I printed in the United States via Amazon and thereby could bypass the whole thing with the bookstores and the distributors and all this and that, and I was happy. Then my husband died, and I thought I was never going to publish a book again. And of course, I was depressed. Tremendously depressed. Mm, So when I came out of this depression, it was because I realized, man, you already did all these great things, right? You traveled the Himalayas, you hiked to Kashmir, you traveled to Transip twice. You can do this, right? And this is actually the essence of what I wanted to say in contrast to other people who think that anybody can do anything if they just focus enough on it or just focus too hard on it and believe it or what have you. I don't believe that. Mm. I believe we can do the things where we have the backup stories. So let's say I'm a 17-year-old and I'm going to London. This is not a big trip from Vienna, right? Mm. It's, at the time, it was still a 24-hour trip. Now I've done, gone to London. So if I can go to London, I can also go to Spain. Next thing I know, I can travel to the Himalayas. Mm. And every time I make one of those steps, I'm building on the P and the first step that I did before and the one that came after that and so on. So that's basically what I wanted to do is write a book about all these stories and I published it on Kindle and I was happy. Then at the time I was working in, uh, in transportation. The one thing that I hated the most is when I had to work with somebody who wrote a nasty email or an impolite email or whatever email, because I, f- I felt that this person was damaging the business. Because I worked a lot with the Middle East. They are people are incredibly ritual and friendly and, hey, how are you and how are your parents and what have you. And here comes this person and says, the freight's $2,560. Excuse me, can you write hello? <laughs> you know this? So I studied email writing, actually, and I analyzed 100,000 emails. So I decided I was going to write Naked Words, the effective 157-word email. And I wrote this book, and to test my skills, I sent it to the Success Magazine. And I said, hey, you want to feature that? Now, I don't know how many people come to the Success Magazine, but maybe 300 a day or 100 a day. I don't know. But in any event, they picked my book. So I'm like, yeah, girl, you're on it, right? Your email skills are good enough that you could sell this, right? I published this, was featured in the Success Magazine, and now I was even more hooked. Next thing that I was, I was still very much involved with all this Amazon thing, and I wrote a book about the naked truth about getting book reviews. It won the Kindle Book Review. It was a finalist at the Kindle Book Review Awards, which is a really 
very classy award. They have only seven winners. They, they copy themselves from the Pulitzer. So it's not like 100 categories. It's like, mm. So I did that. And then I came out with Naked Truth about getting product reviews on Amazon.com. Seven tips to boost sales. And I contacted Bloomberg. And Bloomberg put me on that podcast. And so all of this is going very, very smoothly, right? And I was very thrilled to do all of this. Unfortunately, then a lot of the cheetahs came in and made my life miserable on Amazon. Mm. So I was just trying, trying to take a downtime phase. And I said, well, why not go back to transportation and see if something's happening at Amazon? Because they opened the warehouse at my area. and. I knew they weren't going to hire me as a manager, even though I had the skills, because I'm too old by that category. They hire mostly people between 24 and 27. Mm. So I said to myself, why not sneak in with naked determination and they'll promote you? Now you have to picture, I'm coming in with almost 20 years of being a fan of Amazon. Yep. Everything that I did. With Amazon worked out. So I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. And unfortunately, I had to find out that all these many principles that Amazon preaches all day did not happen there. There was no think big. There was no this. There was no that. I could have wheeled them off and I didn't see it. So then at some point, I even wanted to quit because, of course, they also didn't advance people. Just kept the same people that made everybody's lives miserable there. And then came COVID. And now I was stuck yeah. at a place where I didn't want to be. So I hung around and then I came up with the great idea to write a book. <laughs> but this time, and this is actually the biggest mistake of my life. It's only not the mistake that many people might think. This time it really ended up being a horrible mistake. Because you don't just write a book about Amazon. Right? <laughs> I, of course, had to, design, had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So every word that I wrote was examined for, does it violate the non-disclosure agreement? Can I say this? Has this been hinted on somewhere else? What will Amazon do if I say that? How can I prove? And this book was different than other books about Amazon. There are two other books that have been written by people who worked at Amazon, but they are journalists who snuck in there and just simply looked around, worked there for a few weeks and then got out and said, the work is terrible, the work is hard, Amazon mm. is evil. That was not what I wanted to do. Yep. I wanted to go here and say, they are saying this, this is what I'm seeing. I'm trying to tell them, hey, how about we do this? They didn't want to do this. How can they not see that this needs to be done? And this is how it should be done. Effectively offering the solution in the book, which put me in a position that I had to prove that I didn't cheat, but that I had the experience and could tell them where it came from. So I hung around at Amazon till December, and then I wrote the book, and then came the big mistake. I did exactly the same thing that I had always done my entire life. I looked for the biggest problem. And I thought that the biggest problem was Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Now, this was right around the time when Donald Trump was still president. And you may remember 
that he tried to sue everybody who wrote a biography. And he even sued people just for fun. So in my life, there was this world building up where I said to myself, well, what about if he just sues me for fun? I know that everything's okay, but who wants to be sued by Amazon? But then there were also these articles that say constantly, Amazon is evil because they even have their small little people sign non-disclosure agreement. And this is just mind control and image control and what have you. And something needs to change about that. And the government should pass a law against this and all this. And as I said to myself, once again, I can be a pioneer because I can be that little guy who writes this book. And I wrote it. And I invested about more than two weeks into researching non-disclosure agreements, which was really painful because reading legal briefs is no fun at all. And then no. you have to look and interpret, is this what it means? Or it might it be something else and what have you. And in the end, I published the book on May 1st, day of work in the most of the world. <laughs> I came out with it. And the exact opposite of what I thought had happened. Because I thought that the journalists who constantly investigated everything about Amazon would be thrilled yeah. to finally hear from a logistics professional what needed to be done. But they didn't want to hear it because all they wanted to speak about Drivers and toilet breaks. I mean, please give me a break. This is just ridiculous. That was the least of all problems that I saw. And since I have published more than 30 books, of course, I know how long Amazon looks at books. And usually they say they need maybe 74 hours to put a book online. But in my experience, it takes more like between 30 and 40. And I've published 20 books. So right. it always took no longer than 40 hours. My book took 104 hours mm -hmm. and I could see how Amazon's legal department forked over this book in every little detail, right? And checked what I thought they were going to check. And what happened was that they literally went ahead and took many of the changes and implicated them. I hear from people now they are doing what I wrote. Whereas the journalists who were supposed to fall over my book and I don't know what, didn't do anything. And so my worst failure was, and this is like what I would like readers to take away with is, we very often try to avoid problems. And that's of course the right way to do. But what we really need to do is look very closely if quote the enemy, or the greatest danger, or the biggest obstacle is the one that we think it is. Mm. Because from everything that I saw, like if you open any kind of business publication that has an Amazon reporter, at the bottom of every article, it always said, do you or did you work at Amazon? We want to hear from you. Well, I can tell you they didn't want to hear from me, <laughs> which is like ridiculous. And even in the book market, you have an industry that publishes, that produces a million products every year. That's like crazy. Yeah. And my book is one out of three. And still, they didn't even want to come ahead and say, I don't know, brave little worker challenges evil Jeff Bezos or something like that. Nothing. They just wanted to write their stories. And Amazon, in that case, 
was if you swamp the bigger man and implicated the changes, which actually convinced me in the end that Jeff Bezos is still a genius. So you mean <laughs> they identified the things that you highlighted as the issues and then they started ticking them off and saying, how do we address these? I no, I actually addressed them precisely. I said, like, like for instance, there's a, the way how I saw it, and I've worked as a teacher and a trainer and what have you, their training was horrible. Mm. I mean, it was like literally horrible. And this is an essential factor of the whole thing. Like you will hear over and over again, Amazon's rates are too bad. Nobody can hit them. People suffer. Okay. And I'm asking you, can you separate an egg? Can you make a fried egg in the morning? Of mm. course you do. Everybody can. And the, the shells will not be in the pan because you know how to do it. Now picture yourself being a line cook at a raffle house and three waitresses scream 10 orders at you and they expect to find this food 10 minutes later. And yeah, you will drop an egg, maybe slip on the dropped egg. You will throw shells into the pan and what have you because you're overworked. Of course, if they would train you how to do it right, then maybe you could do it too. Mm. And that's exactly the thing that applies at Amazon. Yeah, everybody can carry a package. But if you don't know how to learn it right, then maybe you make a wrong move. And three minutes later, you have carpal tunnel syndrome or uh, something else. And of course, bigger accidents happen too. So this was actually one of my approaches where I want to make the world a better place and say, hey, you know, it's not about the rates. It's about the training. But there were other things too, like Amazon ran competitions because they wanted to increase the volume and they set up the competitions wrong and so there's like 12 items i believe in the book where i say okay this is what i saw this is what should be done and this will be the result or these problems will be avoided and whoever read the book at amazon apparently took notes and (laughs) i said okay let's do it and that's like in a way, a good thing. Like one of the things that I really, one of the things that I constantly criticized in the book is Amazon had these white blue plastic mailers. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And they are, of course, in environmental danger because mm. they fly around. 26 million tons ended up in the oceans in 2020 by accident, of course. They also don't recycle well and so on and so on. Beyond that, they are slippery and the people who handle them have accidents because they slip at them. Well, there isn't a single white bloom envelope around anymore. He switched to the recyclables, which was exactly what I said in the book. Fantastic. <laughs> so how would, you, how would you summarize the lessons that you learned from this experience? Well, the lesson is really think through in a creative way who is your friend who may be the smartest dog in the room and not hurt you because they're not stupid to hurt you because they want to work with you Mm. and who is not going to help you. And I mean, we see this very often. I mean, in other situations too, like when my husband died, oh my God, there were all these people that did all these freaking things and called me and wanted to cry on the phone and what have you. And then there was one friend who called me up and said, Hey, I'm on the way to you bringing hot dogs and, have all the stuff and all I want to know is do you have gas in your grill? I never thought she was that practical, Mm. awesome person. 
but this is the kind of thing that we need to look at if we want to get ahead. And of course, especially in business, because we may link ourselves up with somebody of whom we think, hey, this person has all the interest to work with me. And my God, I better stay away from that person because who knows what he's going to do to me. I mean, if we put Jeff Bezos and me in one room, I'm not even a little mouse running through the room, right? And that's why I was so afraid. And in a way, this also goes back to my book, Naked Determination, 41 Stories About Overcoming Fear. I don't even want to say that I was so afraid of Jeff Bezos because I knew that I had written the book right. I knew that in my heart. I mean, I went over this with the fine comb 30 times. But I knew that he could make my life unpleasant. And that, I don't want to say it was a fear, but it was was always a worry. It's more like what I want to say. And if we want to get in life really somewhere, we've got to take the risk. But we've really got a close look at the factors. Who is our friend? Who may not be our friend, but maybe working with us or is the bigger man, so to speak. Mm. And who is not worth anything. (laughs) Right. So actually what it sounds like is kind of tough times put people to the test and you find out who really, really has substance to them and and who's on your side. Yeah, but this is beyond that because tough, tough situations put people on the spot. But in this case, it was me who chose that. (laughs) I was the one who chose to write this book. I mean, as a matter of fact, I talked to a few friends and they said, you're insane. (laughs) And so it's more like this investment where let's say I want to go to Bali and buy, I don't know, a property on the beach or Mm. I want to go into a business adventure in the business venture with somebody. So that's my choice, right? And at that point, we all say, is this my friend? Where's the danger? Maybe the the, the IRS is going to be after me. Is this going to be the biggest problem or whatever? And usually I was right. But in the case of this one, I was wrong. (laughs) Yep. And one question on that is, would you write the book again? And would you do what you did or would you do it differently? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I would love to write similar books about other companies. Mm. The only thing is when I write a book, I write it, I do my research like nobody else does. Right. And in the case of Amazon, I literally had 22 years of experience. I was pretty sure that most of the reporters who write about Amazon today were maybe in high school when I already looked at everything Amazon did, yeah. even before they sold anything else but a book vending platform. Mm, so mm. I really could come in and contribute something that nobody else could contribute or very few people. Yeah. With other businesses, don't, don't do that. So that's why I stay away from that. It's same yeah. with the, my email book, Naked Words. Mm. I analyzed 100,000 emails and I could prove it. So that's then when I get in. Otherwise, I don't get in. There's one of the things that I take away too is, uh, you know, is when you have a critic, see it as an opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. And that's very true. Yeah. Because, uh, well, many people aren't going to bring anything up. They may mutter and complain and to their friends and stuff, but when the big boss is there, or when someone's there, they're just not going to say much for whatever reasons. Or they may say something that you know is positive. Whereas you really, if you want to improve, you need to hear the the critical. Well, yeah, but not only that. When you're in a chain, and there is like 
you as counting your sympathizers or your friends mm-hmm. or your followers or whoever is on your side. They do the same. So while you are counting on them, they may be playing the Mori card and say, this is too risky. I'm not going to get in there. Yep. So that's why you can never, so to speak, exclude the biggest dog in the room of whom you think he's the biggest worry because he may actually want to hear that advice. Whereas right. the, your friends think it's too risky to side with you. Yeah. And um, to wrap up, I want to ask you a question, which is out of all the different books that you've written, I mean, the first one that, that I came across was the one on email. And that one kind of was where I first saw, you know, what you were talking about. And it kind of caught my eye, 157 words. And then, you know, the first thing you do is that you highlight a group of words on a a Word document. And then you count the number of words. You think, my God, 157 words is a very short email when you think about it, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, maybe whether it's that book, the Amazon book, Naked Determination, out of all the different things that you've written, for the people out there that never have read anything that you've written, what would be the starting point that you would like them to go? What one book, what one thing that you've done? Well, I write very specific nonfiction books. So if somebody is an author and he wants to contact reviewers or do whatever, it is best to read one of my author books. Mm. If somebody runs a business and they're also selling on Amazon, they better read my book, Naked Truth, about getting product reviews on Amazon. And the seven tips to boost insider sales are actually in there. And I still miss that a lot of people aren't doing that. Mm. But the one book that is so unique that nobody else could have written it is my book, Naked Determination, 41 Stories About Overcoming Fear. And it has a lot of reviews. And most everybody said, I read that book and I found my story. I may not have traveled to Tibet. But I understood what she meant because I traveled, I don't know, to Chicago or wherever. And this book is very unique. And funnily enough, it is also a book that in a way connects with Amazon and Bezos because I traveled a lot when I was young. And the whole thing started because I really wanted to be an explorer. And when I was a teenager, I found out that Heinrich Harrer had already been in Tibet and Tutankhamun's mummy had already been dug up and Kontiki had already sailed over the Pacific. And I was like, nothing left for me. (laughs) So I decided, well, if that's so, I'm just going to travel and look at everything because at least then I saw it. Mm. And one of the highlights of my life was going to Tibet where I was before everybody else was there. I was there before Richard Gere was there if he even ever went there. I meditated alone by myself in the Dalai Lama's bedroom because there was nobody. There were like 12 tourists in town. Mm. So in the meantime, Tibet has changed a lot. Not only have they built two railroads up there, I hear that a block from the Padala, they run now a red light establishment and Mm. there is actually 1,280 of them in Tibet, which I find horrifying. But the interesting thing is, I decided this when I was 13 and I lived by it. I never bought a new car. I'm not a dresser. I invested into my travels. And today, if Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos threw their money together, they might get to the Mars maybe, but they will never see the things that I saw because they're gone. 
Mm. And today, as a matter of fact, they don't even let foreigners in into Tibet anymore, only if they have a guide. I moved the way I ever did. So if you just get going and you really try to do your thing, you're probably going to get it. Because when I was 13, I never thought that I was going to get the things that I wanted. And today I'm one of the rare breeds that actually did it. And people who surpass me in financial volume can't buy it anymore, which is even more crazy. So if you do whatever you do, and this may be something else, maybe you want to be a race car driver or eat the most hamburgers or whatever. If you actually do it, you're always ahead because the others don't. Yep. And by the time they figure out, they can't buy it anymore. So last question, what is your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, I'm still working on a few of the books in my line, but I want to refocus and do more for the environment because that's the thing that really, really worries me, especially since I've traveled so far. I mean, there are destinations where I traveled and that's actually killed by a natural disaster. Right. So it's gone that way. So I want to write a series, I want to write a serial fable in the style of Animal Farm. And I already published the first one, Are We Nuts? Mm. And to really write a standard book that can be read by everybody. Great. And of course, short. Yep. Love it. Love it. I think your readers love it too. So I'll have links to all of your different books that we talked about and all that in the show notes for the listeners out there that want to get on the bandwagon and start understanding what the things, what are the things that you've seen? Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Gisela, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah. First of all, thank you for inviting me. And to the audience, do it. It's never been more pressing. You don't know if it's going to be there. You don't know if the business is going to be there. The opportunity is going to be there. And Focus and do it. It can be done. Great advice. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying thank you for joining the mission, and I'll see you on the upside.